This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Hey, this is Rick Renner, and I want to welcome you to today's program. Today, we're going to continue our series called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. And on the screen behind me is illustrated shepherds looking up into the sky at a multitude of a heavenly host. Yesterday, we saw that one singular angel appeared in dazzling glory, glory so heavy that it knocked the shepherds to the ground. The shepherds suddenly found themselves in a beam of concentrated light and looking up, the angel began to give to them a message that Christ had been born nearby in Bethlehem. But then suddenly with the angel, there was a multitude of a heavenly host. What does that mean? A multitude of a heavenly host. That's what we're going to discuss today. And I think you're going to be quite surprised at what you're going to learn. But I'm offering you my brand new series, which is called Christmas, the rest of the story. It's 15 parts, comes in multiple formats. And the subtitle says, amazing insights about Christmas you've never heard before. And I really mean that. And it comes with a terrific study guide that you can use while you see it or hear it. And we're also offering you the hardbound book, by the same title, Christmas, the rest of the story. What an amazing gift to give to somebody at this time of the year. It's nearly 300 pages. Every page is fully illustrated, full color. When you get this, it will simply be a feast of color for your eyes and what you read in this book will thrill you. So please order one for yourself or maybe order two so you can give one to somebody else. But hey, I want you to watch this and then I'll be back to continue the program. In a culture where Santa seems to overpower the reason for the season, it's time to return to the true meaning of Christmas. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, the Rest of the Story, Rick uncovers the stunning details of the nativity story you have never heard. Details like who exactly was Joseph, the father of Jesus? Why did God choose Mary? What was the star that guided the wise men? Who were the wise men who came to see Jesus? How far did they travel? And what was the value of the gifts they brought to Christ? Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas the Rest of the Story invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across decorated pages in a coffee table size format. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you will receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. This is a sweeping portrait of the Christmas story, allowing readers to reflect on why Jesus came at the dawn of the first century and ultimately the reason for his birth. With stunning illustrations and nearly 300 pages, your family can create a tradition that will last for generations. Great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions, pre-order the book today. Christmas, the rest of the story for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. As I told you on the night that Jesus was born, a singular, powerful angel appeared in the glory of God, a glory so heavy that it caused the shepherds to collapse. And suddenly the shepherds laying on their back found themselves encased 
in a concentrated beam of light. It wasn't a light that lighted up the entire countryside, but they found themselves in a direct beam of concentrated light and looking up into that beam, they saw an angel who announced that Christ had been born. But then in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, we read, and suddenly, suddenly, there was with the angel. So until this moment, there was just one angel. But then suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host. And what were they doing? Praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But notice it says suddenly. This was a sudden moment. The word suddenly in the original language means unexpectedly, suddenly. It depicts something that takes one off guard and by surprise, suddenly taking them off guard by surprise in an unexpected way. There appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. So now it's not just a singular angel who's speaking to them, but now the skies are filled with a multitude of a heavenly host. How many were in the sky? A multitude. The word multitude is a Greek word, which depicts something that is colossal, enormous, huge, immense. It depicts a massive number. And notice it was a multitude of the heavenly host. And the word host is a Greek word, which depicts an army. So this was an assembly of warring angelic soldiers. How many were there? The number was simply immense. It was colossal. As far as their eyes could see, the sky was filled with a multitude of a heavenly host, warring angels who suddenly appeared. And because the entire phrase says a multitude of the heavenly host, it means that suddenly the shepherd's eyes were opened and they saw overhead a colossal enormous, huge, immense, massive number of warring angels from heaven. That is heavenly angels that were dressed like soldiers who suddenly joined the singular angel. I just want you to stop or imagine for a moment and imagine what the shepherds saw that night. First, they were dazed by a beam of light as the first angel appeared. They fell under the weighty presence of God's glory. Second, that singular angel began to announce that Christ had been born in nearby Bethlehem. And third, suddenly, an incalculable number of warring angels fills the sky overhead. This already is quite an event. And these angels were not dressed in gleaming robes like most would imagine, but they were dressed like a mighty army they literally were the armies of heaven. But why did a massive army of warring angels show up in this particular moment? And the answer is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul describes the incarnation or the moment when Jesus was born. Listen to what he writes. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Now look at this phrase, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. But notice this phrase, seen of angels. Why is that so important? Well, we have to go back to the Old Testament. And we read in Exodus 33, verse 20, 
that no man can see God's face and live because the glory of God is simply so powerful. No flesh can endure it and survive. That is why later God put Moses in a cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand. And when God passed by, he removed his hand so Moses could see his back parts. But Moses could not look directly into the face of God because no flesh could see the face of God and survive. This is exactly why we read in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2 that the angels in the presence of God cover their face with their wings because even angels in the presence of God cannot look directly into the face of God. Just like a person would cover his eyes to blind his, to, to protect his eyes from the blinding light of the sun. These angels use their wings to protect their eyes, to protect their sight from looking directly into the glory of God. Even angels who live in the presence of God do not have the privilege of looking directly into his face. But Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that when God was manifest in the flesh as Christ, at Bethlehem, a multitude of the heavenly hosts showed up because for the first time they could look at God in the face. Wow. It was the first time that angels could look directly into the face of God. So they all showed up to look and to see what God's face looked like. And that is why in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul writes, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. They all wanted to see the face of God. And this reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, where Paul told us, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was born, for the first time ever, it was possible to see the face of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And in his birth as a babe at Bethlehem, when he appeared as a human infant, the angels came in massive numbers to witness him and to behold the face of God for the very first time. And my friend, in Christ, we really can see the face of God. But notice that this incalculable number of warring angels were dressed like heavenly soldiers. You say, why? Well, they were dressed like heavenly soldiers because Jesus, even in his birth as an infant, was Lord of all, and he was the commander-in-chief. And the commander-in-chief had just begun the most important assignment that had ever been commenced. And now the angels came dressed appropriately to salute their commander and to look into the face of God for the very first time. And as heavenly troops, they were appropriately dressed as heaven's armies to salute their great commander-in-chief who was beginning his earthly assignment when he entered the world in Bethlehem as a baby. Isn't that just amazing? And it's amazing to me that before his birth at Bethlehem, angels covered their face. They couldn't look into the face of God, but now they were able to behold the face of God in Jesus Christ. This also reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, 
which says that we with unveiled faces can look into the very glory of God. That is one of the privileges of being born again. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, it says that this massive multitude of heavenly angels were praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What does it mean when it says they were praising God and saying? Well, the word praising in the original text means to extol, to exalt, or to praise. The word saying in the original Greek text means to say and to say and to say. And the tense literally means saying and saying and saying or announcing and announcing and announcing whatever they were saying. They were saying and saying and saying it. They were announcing and announcing and announcing it over and over again, almost like one choir Heaven's armies were simultaneously announcing again and again the birth of God in the flesh. Now, when you talk to most people, they say that the angels sang when this announcement was made. But if you look very closely at this text, it never says the angels sang at Jesus' birth. I don't want to disappoint you, but let's be honest about the text. Maybe they did sing, but this passage does not say the angels Sang. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, but there's not a single verse anywhere in the Bible that says angels sing. I believe they do, but it's very difficult to find a verse about that because there's not one in the Bible. There's a lot of singing that goes on. For example, in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, we find that God sings over his people. In Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, we read that the 24 elders in heaven sing songs to the Lamb of God. But if we're going to be honest with this passage in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, we have to say that there's no mention in this verse that the angels ever sang when they made this announcement. But when you study scripture, you discover the role of angels is to listen and to speak verbatim what God has instructed them to speak, which means Angels are repeaters. They're repeaters. And when they have delivered verbatim, word for word, what they were told to say, then they disappear. Once an angel or a group of angels has delivered the exact message they were dispatched to speak, exactly as God told them to speak it, they disappear as quickly as they appeared. Angels are God-sent heavenly messengers who make word-for-word announcements. And there's no evidence anywhere in Scripture that angels sing. Maybe they do, but the Bible does not tell us that. But the Bible is full of illustrations of angels being sent to repeat word-for-word announcements from God. And I'm going to give you some scriptural examples. Luke chapter 1, 11 to 17, relates that an angel announced to Zechariah, that his wife would give birth to a son who is called John the Baptist. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 23, states that Gabriel announced the birth of Jesus to Mary. Luke chapter 2, 9 to 14, records that a multitude of heavenly angels announced the birth of Jesus to this particular group of shepherds. Three gospel accounts, Matthew chapter 28, 5 to 7, Mark 16, 6 to 7, and Luke 24, 5 to 7, testify that angels announced 
Jesus' resurrection. Acts 1.11 says, Two angels appeared to the apostles at the time of Jesus' ascension and announced that he would return in the same manner as they had seen him go into heaven. And 1 Thessalonians 4.16-17 foretells that the voice of the archangel will announce the moment when believers are to be raptured. And the book of Revelation is filled with angelic announcements that initiate judgments upon the earth and its unbelieving inhabitants. And now here in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 to 14, we see that this massive multitude of heavenly angels were praising God and saying. And the original text says they were saying and saying and saying and announcing and announcing and announcing. And in typical fashion of angels, Luke 2.15 tells us that once they had delivered their word-for-word announcement, then the angels disappeared. Luke chapter 2, verse 15 to 16 says, The shepherds then said one to another, this is after the angels had disappeared. Now imagine, these shepherds have been in a concentrated beam of light, first listening to the announcement of one angel, then suddenly with that angel was a multitude of the heavenly host. Their eyes were opened for these shepherds. They saw the entire heavenly realm filled with colossal numbers of angels dressed like soldiers who had come to salute their commander-in-chief and to look into the face of God. And then suddenly when the angels were finished, they disappeared. And then the shepherds found themselves again in darkness in the pasture of the shepherd's field. This leads us again to Luke chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, where the shepherds said to one another, let us go now, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Wow. But notice the Bible says they came with haste, which means they wasted no time to go looking for the Messiah who had just been born. And remember that in Luke chapter 2, verse 12, which we saw in the previous program, the angel had said, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And with this information fresh in their hearts, they moved with haste to find the newborn lamb of God. The word haste means to move as quickly as possible. They didn't waste a second. They moved as fast as they could to find the real lamb of God. And when you come to Luke chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it tells us, and when they had seen it, They made known abroad the saying which was told them, the announcement which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And now we find that the shepherds were the first evangelists. The shepherds carried the good news that the Messiah had been born as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And the verse specifically says, when they had seen it, they made known abroad. They told as many as possible the saying, the announcement, which was told them concerning the child. And when all they that heard it wondered at those things, which were told them by the shepherds. Why did they wonder at what they heard from the shepherds? Well, you have to remember that these were shepherds under rabbinical care who knew what they were doing. 
Their assignment was to take care of little lambs being born to be offered eventually as sacrifices at the temple. The word wondered, which describes the response of the listeners, means to be amazed, astonished, astounded, baffled, bewildered, confounded, dumbfounded, flabbergasted, at a loss of words, shocked or stunned. You see, the listeners knew these were no mere shepherds. These were shepherds under rabbinical care with a sacred assignment of watching over sheep to be used as sacrifices at the temple in nearby Jerusalem. These were not nimble-minded shepherds. These were very intelligent, trained shepherds who knew what they were doing. And when they collectively said, we have found the real Lamb of God, and when we found him, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes just like a newborn lamb, it left the hearers dumbfounded. If that's what this group of shepherds had to say, well, they took this as a very serious announcement. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That word kept in the original text means to treasure, to keep from corruption, and to keep a precise, a priceless possession. The word pondered means to keep in perfect order or to keep an internal journal of these events, which means Mary understood something special was really taking place. And to the best that she could, she kept all of these memories in an uncorrupted form. She kept them chronologically in order. And later in her life, when she was living in Ephesus under the care of the Apostle John, she was visited by apostles who wrote the Gospels and they interviewed her and asked her about all of these events. And because Mary had kept them in her heart, because she had so treasured them in her heart and kept them in correct order, she was able to tell the whole story. And because Mary kept these things in her heart in perfect order, that's why we know the story today. But I want to ask you, do you treasure the things that God has done in your life? Do you keep them as uncorrupted memories so you can share those experiences with others? We're told in Scripture that we are to never forget the works of the Lord. So do your best to remember them, to keep them, so that you can share them with others. But that is who a multitude of the heavenly host were. It was heaven's armies coming to salute the commander-in-chief who had just started his earthly assignment, and they all came because for the very first time, they could look into the face of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. Do you really know the story of Christmas? Is there more to the story about the birth of our Savior than what you've been told? In this series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, Rick Renner dives deep into the parts of the Christmas story that most people have never heard. Rick says, I've studied this story for decades, and I found fabulous treasures no one ever shared with me. In this series, we explore the Bible, history, historical writings, and so much more, so we can really understand all the events that took place surrounding the birth of Jesus. 
Rick answers questions like, why did God choose Mary? Was Joseph really a carpenter? Why was Herod so troubled by Jesus' birth? Who were the Magi? And what was the estimated value of their gifts? This 15-part documentary-type series is available in digital or physical format, starting at just $24. And, and we're excited to also offer you Rick's stunning new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you'll want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer, the series, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I'm standing in the foyer of Rick Renner Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I just wish I could pick you up and bring you here to see all the wonderful ministry that is happening in this facility where we receive thousands and thousands of phone calls from people just like you who reach out to us for prayer and for teaching they can trust. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many, and we know that's our job. Our job is to feed many. And I wanna say thank you to you for everything you've helped us do with your giving. You helped us construct our studio, purchase this building, and now in phase three of our ministry expansion program, we're wanting to pay this facility off so we can liberate all that money to take the teaching of the Bible around the world on additional channels and venues. And by being a part of our giving team, you can really help us make this happen. If you're not already a part of our giving team, please pray about joining us. And together we can join hands and through teaching of the Bible and by ministering to people that reach out to us and by sending teaching products around the world, we can really change people's lives. And it's amazing to me that today it's never been easier to make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are. Think about that. You don't even have to get out of your chair. Just go online or make a phone call and bam, by becoming a part of the giving team, you can do something that reaches beyond your world into somebody else's life to really make a difference. That is powerful. And according to the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus promises that if we'll go, or if we'll do what we can do to help others go with the Word of God, His power will show up in our lives. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. Well, we have covered a lot of material today. We've seen what was a multitude of a heavenly host. Tomorrow, we're going to study Jesus' baby dedication in the temple and what the Bible says about baby dedications. I believe it's going to be very insightful. But we're offering you my brand new series, which is called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. It's 15 parts, and it comes in all kinds of formats. The subtitle says, Amazing Insights About Christmas You've Never Heard Before. And this series comes with a study guide so you can read all of these things while you're seeing it or hearing it. And right now we're also offering you my book by the same title, which is called Christmas, The Rest of the Story. It's a hardback, about 300 pages. Every single page is fully illustrated, full color, 
and every page is filled with treasures, new insights about the birth of Jesus. When I was growing up, I heard the same story every year, and I loved it, but I knew there had to be more. And when I got older, I began to dive deep into the Scripture and dive deep into history, and the Holy Spirit showed me so many things no one ever told me. And that's why I called this Christmas the rest of the story. It is such a miraculous story. You can order all of these things by going online or by giving us a call. And please, when you reach out to us, let us know how to pray for you. But Father, I thank you right now for the privilege that we can sit down together to look at this amazing story. I thank you that it is not a fable, it's not a legend, it's not a fairy tale. This was something that only you could do. It is so amazing. And we thank you that you're still writing amazing stories for all of our lives. We embrace what it is that you want to do in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. This program was made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. 